If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. Instead of looking through a 45-slide, a 50-slide-long PowerPoint presentation, you're able to look at all of that data simultaneously in one experience. It's presented to you in a way that makes it easy to understand what exactly it is that you're looking for. When you need to know a lot of facts and figures, you could always sift through charts and graphs. But what if you could be right in the middle of the whole picture immediately through virtual or augmented reality? That capability is exactly what Suzanne Borders has created. Susie, as she prefers to be called, is the co-founder and CEO of Marina Del Rey-based startup Bad VR. And Bad VR is all about empowering people of all skill levels through immersive technology. Susie, how did virtual reality first capture your imagination as something you really wanted to do? So virtual reality has been on my radar since I was a kid, actually. I really loved the TV show Star Trek, specifically The Next Generation. I, as a child, I, well, I was born in California. When I was eight years old, my family moved to the Midwest because my dad graduated from college. And it was a big cultural shift. So I didn't have a ton of friends. I was very much still culturally Californian, and I didn't fit in a lot with the people in the Midwest. So I got really into, you know, the escapism of, of Star Trek and all of the, you know, alternate universes and, and realities that that show painted for me as a kid. But the thing that really captured my imagination the most was the holodeck, right? This ability where you can go into a room and literally program in anywhere you'd like to go, and then that reality becomes real. That idea of being able to do something that cool, especially, you know, for a kid who's in the Midwest, who doesn't have friends, who wants to go back to California, and I was like, I would love to be able to just go into a room or, you know, and then dial in the beach in San Diego and, and be back there. So the idea of virtual reality has always been fascinating to me, and that's really what sparked my interest in it. In terms of the modern iteration of virtual reality, when the Oculus DK1 development came out, I really wanted to jump into that because it was like the ability to actually make the holodeck real. But at the time, I didn't really have the money and I didn't have the right setup, so I was able to connect with somebody and give it a shot for the first time. And I remember being on a roller coaster the roller coaster app ride and feeling the drop of the roller coaster, even though I was not moving at all. But it was so real to my brain that physically that sensation manifested. So that moment really captured my imagination as well. It's like, wow, this is, this is actually here. Like, it's actually real. I have this on my head. Like, the holodeck is becoming real. So, yeah, ever since then, it's been a love affair between me and virtual augmented reality. Yeah from falling madly in love with virtual and augmented reality between the holodeck and the roller coaster to what you do today. Yes. What was your journey like in creating Bad VR? Oh, it's been a wild ride. I had the idea to incorporate virtual and augmented reality into the process of visualizing and analyzing data while I worked at a company called Remind. That company did 2D data visualization and analytics for the residential real estate industry. So while I was there as their lead UX designer, my job was to visualize up to 250 individual data points 
per property, which, you know, in a multi-unit building could be up to, you know, what, 200 individual units on a nationwide level. So obviously that's a huge amount of data. And I had to visualize it in such a way that non-technical users, which your average real estate agent is not a data scientist, you know, so they need to be able to work with that data and it needs to be presented in a usable format. So it was a big challenge for me and I, I did struggle. And ultimately I was able, I think, to design an interface that made sense. But I just kept thinking to myself, you know, if I could actually, because in my head, I'm looking at this data, I'm working with this data, and I'm seeing it in a multidimensional format, but I can't present it that way because of the limitations of 2D. So I wanted to start integrating because around that same time, that's when the Oculus came out. And I thought, you know, it would be really cool to combine my love of VR and my inherent multidimensional visualization in my head together into one final experience for the end user. But the hardware on the VR side was just really, really clunky. It was brand new. It was still cutting edge. The company that I was working at, you know, they were not very interested in really doing something that experimental and that out there. So I just sort of kept the idea in my back pocket and played around with it in my spare time, but really didn't commit to doing anything or building a company around it. I also felt that, you know, from a business perspective, if I were to go and start my own business at that time, it would be the wrong time because the hardware was still, you know, it just wasn't really ready for prime time. So after that idea, I just sort of let it sit in my back pocket. I let it sort of percolate for a while. I went on and moved over to a company called Crexy that did roughly the same 2D data visualization, but for the commercial real estate industry. But I kept my eye on the hardware, the AR and VR, you know, the landscape. And as the hardware was changing and becoming more accessible to more people, as it was becoming mobile, self-contained, I really thought like, well, now's the time. As the hardware is becoming more accessible, maybe I should begin to really seriously consider starting this business of immersive data visualization. So ultimately, after about a year at Crexy, I put in my resignation. I felt that the market timing was right. The hardware was ready. I personally in my life was ready to undertake this journey. And I really felt like that was what I wanted to do with my life is try to revolutionize data and make it more accessible to everyone. So that was sort of how that VR got started. And ever since then, it's just been, I never thought in a million years it would be as challenging as it is to run a business. But ultimately, I've never been more happy. I love challenges and I love, I love the mastery of learning and achieving new things. So it's been great. And I've had been very lucky to have so many amazing people support me on my journey. Before we look at specifically how you do this at Bad VR, what was one of those challenges that you had to surmount? Well, I guess the first challenge was finding the courage to quit my job. That was quite scary. I wasn't unhappy at the job that I was doing, which is director of UX for Crexy, but I felt called to obviously greater, bigger challenges. So I had to really ask myself internally, am I ready to give up the stability of, you know, a W-2, 9-to-5 job? And when I did put in my resignation, they tried to get me to stay by giving me a raise. And, you know, it was really hard to be like, you know what, I'm really committed to, to walking away from something this good and these great people and the things that they're doing. That was required a lot of courage. So once I did that, then the challenge became, well, how do I fund my company? How do I get this thing started? I had never fundraised for anything before. You know, even in my own personal creative projects, I've always self-financed. I've been a part of a lot of startups, but I've never been a part of a founding team that did, you know, the whole fundraising thing. So 
I was sort of thrown into the deep end of like, hey, how do I how do I get people to take my concept and my business seriously? And how do I get how do I raise money? So that was a big challenge learning that. Again, luckily, I was able to find some great mentors and advisors who had been through the process who were willing to take me under their wing, make introductions and sort of explain to me how the whole process worked. But yeah, that was a steep learning curve. And I think that's been one of the most challenging things for me in terms of in terms of running this business and starting this business. I'm getting some vicarious butterflies in my stomach just listening because it's very hard to walk away from the good for the great. Yeah. I completely remember that in my own life. When you say you're the world's first immersive data visualization platform, let's translate that into plain English for our audience who are mostly teachers, makers, and entrepreneurs. How might any one of those use what you do with virtual reality and with augmented? Yeah, so in plain human language, what it means is that we take really large, complex data sets and port them into virtual and augmented reality, with the goal being to make it easier for the end user to both understand the insights that are hidden in their data, but also to discover new insights. So from you know an entrepreneur's perspective, you might be looking at 6 million individual data points, say that you have a company that sells products across multiple different sales channels, like you have a product that's in Walmart, you have a product that's in Kmart, you have a product that's in 7-Eleven, along with a bunch of other stores, and you want to understand, you're going to go ahead and do a promotion, you want to understand how that promotion affects the sales in each one of those locations. So you can take all of these individual data points and put them into an immersive experience, and you can see instantly the effect of that promotion across all of these different sales channels simultaneously, and you can see those macro trends while drilling down into an individual sales location or even drilling down to an individual data point. So think of it like instead of looking through a 45-slide or 50-slide-long PowerPoint presentation, sort of cobbling together individual insights from each sales channel or each location, you're able to look at all of that data simultaneously in one experience. And you're able to look at it in a way it's presented to you in a way that makes it easy to understand what exactly it is that you're looking for. And the greatest benefit, in my opinion, of AR and VR technology when working with data is that you don't lose context when you start to drill down into it, which is a huge problem in 2D. You know, every level that you go down into the data, you lose the greater context of what's happening outside of that drill down. So you don't have to make that compromise with our platform and with AR and VR in general. But yeah, that's an example of how someone could use it. We also have AR applications which overlay data onto the real world. One of them is an app called C-Signal where you can put on a headset and see your Wi-Fi, cellular, and Bluetooth networks all in one single view. So basically you're seeing what's the data that's already in this environment, but it's giving you superpowers, so to speak. So you can actually visualize it holistically instead of taking individual readings throughout your house or taking an individual reading throughout your office. You're able to just put on a headset and see the whole thing in one view and then make the changes necessary to optimize your network. That is really cool. I was looking at that and I was thinking, well, sometimes coverage is a little spotty in the Central Valley where my husband's family is from. This would be something cool to get to see up there. Yes. Please tell me a little bit more about this app, C-Signal. Yeah, so C-Signal is an augmented reality spatial computing application that allows you to put on a Magic Leap headset 
and see your Wi-Fi, cellular, and Bluetooth data within your environment. So you can see the entire network holistically instead of having to gather individual data points. You can visualize all of that data in your mind. So we received a grant from Magic Leap, who's an augmented reality headset manufacturer, through their independent creators program. And we've been very honored to work with them and absolutely adore the company. So if anyone is listening and they want to explore some of the work that we've done with immersive data visualization, the C-Signal app is available for download on the Magic Leap World Store. So if you do have a Magic Leap headset, you can download the app for free, put it on, and visualize your own home Wi-Fi network, which is actually it can be very interesting to you know, see the network for the first time. And we will be releasing apps on both the iOS and Android devices that utilize the augmented reality capabilities on the phone. That will be this spring. We'll be releasing those this spring. Let's look a little further at how some other members of our audience might use bad VR. For example, a college professor who is trying to teach, let's say, something not so easily grasped, something very abstract like statistics. What might be helpful to that college professor? So I guess a good example of that would be we have a use case where we visualize the output of a machine learning model. So you're, you're looking at, for instance, a pool of applicants for loans and you have different model drivers that you can adjust to change, you know, the output of that, to change who you're going to lend to, who you're not going to lend to. So it's taking this really abstract idea of machine learning or even of AI and applying it to a large data set, essentially. So within our experience, we make it super easy where each one of the drivers is mapped to a part and it gets filter on our controller so people can go into that experience and adjust these model drivers and see the output in real time and then also drill down into the individual data point and see model explainability, like how and why that data point was adjusted with the drivers applied to it that were applied. So you can look down, okay, well, the model made this decision on this data point because of this, this, and this. So I think for a professor that's teaching something like statistics or teaching, you know, about something like machine learning, taking the abstract idea of it and giving the students a visualization, like something they can actually see and touch and manipulate and play with, really helps students, hopefully, and users, our end users, understand what that concept is. You know, because a lot of the times, you know, you can get into theory, but nothing really becomes real until you can see it, and nothing really becomes real until you can touch it, until you can manipulate it, until you can adjust it. And I think that that really does help students and users truly and more deeply understand different statistical models or different you know, machine learning models. It really just helps give a visualization to that concept. As we're talking the tech here, what are some of the artistic or creative considerations that you need to think about as an ultra-creative who's giving superpowers to your users? Yeah, it's a, this is definitely a question that's very close to my heart. As you know, and my founding team, I'm definitely more towards the creative side of things coming from a design background. My co-founder, Jad Miyushi, he's our CTO, and he's more on the engineering side. So I love creative things, and my whole life I've been... I've considered myself somewhat of an artist to an extent, but from a creative perspective, it's very interesting. So I come from a UX and product design background, and we have a very strong set of best practices in terms of design for 2D, best practices for 2D mobile design, you know, 2D desktop design. 
But when I went into this company and this challenge, I had to throw away all the best practices that I had learned over my entire career. So we're talking, you know, six, seven, eight years of things that I had always assumed to be true and laws that I had always followed. I had to get rid of all of that because designing a product, immersive product, you know, multidimensional product is completely different. Like from the ground up, it is not at all similar to 2D. So I knew that inherently and I understood that and, and knew that I had to start from the ground up. Otherwise, the product would be sort of a hybrid mix between 2D design shoehorned into an immersive environment, which doesn't really best utilize the value add that immersive technology gives and also doesn't give the user, the end user, a great experience. So it was very challenging. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to let go of everything that I know to be true. I'm going to start over from scratch, and I'm going to have to remake my own best practices for immersive design and specifically for visualizing data immersively. Because the other part of that is that I didn't want to make 3D charts and graphs in an immersive environment. Again, I felt that, you know, if you're going to use charts and graphs, those were developed for 2D. They work really great for 2D. But the problem is that for immersive technology, they don't really again, capture or communicate the value out of it. And, you know, quite frankly, we already have a lot of tools that do 3D charts and graphs on a 2D screen. So, yeah, I had to ask myself, okay, not only am I going to let go of all the things I know to be true and all the best practices, I'm going to start from scratch on a product design side, but from a data visualization side, I'm also going to start from scratch. So if data is not a dashboard, if it is not a chart or a graph, what does it look like? How do I present this information multidimensionally to my end users in a way that best utilizes the value out of immersive technology? So that was incredibly challenging. I mean, and there's nobody, at least from what I found, out there really doing something like this. So I had to take all of the years of creative, you know, I love music and going to concerts and traveling and painting and I do film. Just on the side, I take all of that creative history and background and apply that to this very technical challenge. It was very intense, but what I ultimately came up with is, just to use an example of one of the data environments that we have, I went to the World Cup in Russia in 2017, I believe, and it was the largest amount of individual people all together in one place that I had ever seen organized in a format. You know, obviously there are unorganized crowds that are larger, but it was like the the largest amount of organized people in a stadium. I believe there were like 78,000 people in this stadium, this World Cup thing in Moscow. And I later on when I was thinking to myself, how do I organize millions of individual data points in a way that makes sense that somebody can easily scan through and understand, my brain went back to stadium, the stadium in Moscow. That has a ton of, each person is an individual data point. I can organize information in a stadium format where there's a row and a column and everybody sort of you can scan easily and understand what the location of each of these data points means. But just as an example, like using all of the richness of life and the experiences that I've been through to really truly try to innovate in this space. Yeah. So that's amongst other things like applying stuff from the filmmaking world, using script writing, using storyboarding in the process of building out these experiences, just bringing together literally everything, all the data that I've ever gathered from living my life. It's required that much to really get this done right. It's been a challenge. Wow. You've just given about three excellent creative lessons here for anybody that wants to create an AR or VR. Well, thank you. 
What have been some of the resources that have been most helpful to you besides everything you've gathered in your life and your experience in Russia? What have been the best resources for you as an artist and as an entrepreneur? Well, that's a great question. I would, I mean, I guess it's sort of a cliched answer, but my own network of friends and mentors and colleagues has been truly the greatest asset that I have utilized or that's been made available to me. I absolutely wouldn't be where I am today without the people that surround me or that support me. I really do truly think that for anybody who's considering pursuing an art career or pursuing an entrepreneurial career, the most important thing that you can do is make sure to get out there and network and connect with other people that are doing or that have done the things you wish to do. Because there's no real, there's no way to sort of replace a great mentor, somebody who can absolutely from experience guide you and give you good advice on how to get through the various and multiple challenges that you will experience. Beyond my own personal resourcing, my network, I've come across some amazing websites. You know, I love, honestly, I love Reddit. I know that that's also kind of, I guess, a cliche, but there's such a huge repository of information online and the ability to chat with anyone in the world at any time, especially the ability to hone in and find these communities of people that have absolutely the exact same interests that you have and that are interested or working on things that you're working on is truly magical. And I think that people really do forget how powerful that is because I was born in 1985. So I just got the tail end of life, like pre-Google life, pre-internet life. And I remember being, you know, maybe eight, nine, 10 years old and, you know, not having the internet or not having a home computer and how I had to actually go to an encyclopedia, like a physical book, to look up information. I had to go to the library, or I had to, you know, call a phone number and order an encyclopedia. Access to that information was so difficult and required so much effort and time and money. And now all it takes is a connection to the Internet, and you're good to, you can find anything, any piece of information, and you can connect with anyone, anywhere. And to me, that still boggles my mind. It still blows my mind. And, and I, that's one of the resources that I've utilized extensively. Reddit, social media, LinkedIn, all of the different tools and websites that are on the, online that allow you to hone in and find the people that are doing the things that interest you or that, you know, might have answers to some sort of technical question that you need help with. I can't tell you how many times they've been up at three o'clock in the morning trying to figure out an answer to some technical question. And I just go onto Reddit and I post in a subreddit. And within five seconds, you know, someone from like Germany will answer my question. It's just unbelievable to me sometimes. I'm like, wow, you know, when I was eight years old, this, the answer to this question would have taken me months and months, if ever, you know, for me to find it. So... We do live in the most incredible world. I remember when you had to go back and find when it was time to be a reporter and talk to people, it was almost impossible to find the resources you can find today and the information. So incredible world. Susie, what's ahead for Bad VR? What's going to be happening for you in 2020? Well, hopefully lots of good things. We're very excited. We're raising a, a seed round right now, or we're beginning to raise a seed round at the end of January. And then we plan to do a full product release towards the end of the year. So that's, we're gearing up to really bring, uh, we've been doing a pilot program and working with select partners, but we're looking forward to doing a public product launch 
and looking forward to growing our team, continuing to find really innovative, unique people to come and help us build the future of data. It's been one of my greatest pleasures to build out our team and to recruit. And I think I've taken a very different approach to that than a lot of other tech entrepreneurs, because to me, it is very important to balance my team between tech and engineering talent and creative talent. So I don't want just a bunch of data scientists or a bunch of engineers. I really want there to also be, you know, people that have a creative mindset, because it is a lot of the challenges that we're working on are not solvable, or they are solvable by engineering and data science, but they're not solvable in the way that I need them to be solved. You know, like they can be solved in a 2D charter graph or a 3D charter graph, but I need a creative, innovative person to come in and find a new way to solve that problem. So I look forward to growing the team and continuing to find, you know, these very innovative, unique souls that can come and help us out. You know, a lot of actually people on our team, I recently hired a product designer and I was I went through a bunch of 2D, you know, UX and product designers, and they all just were stuck in that old mindset of wanting to put 2D panels and screens everywhere within an immersive space, and I just couldn't get them to let go of that old way of 2D thinking. So I actually went and hired a former interior designer because she had a spatial design, like that's what she's been designing, multidimensional spaces her whole career. So I thought, well, you know, let's give this a shot because at least, the very least, she won't think 2D. She'll think multidimensionally and perhaps she will bring some innovation to the table that I would never be able to do on my own. And I couldn't have been more happy with that choice. She's really helped us out a lot and really brought some unique ideas to the table. So I look forward to finding more people like that, some unexpected, you know, innovation in unexpected places. So... What if an artist or storyteller is listening right now? How do I get a resume to Susie, they say when they hear this? How do they contact you? I would love to hear from you. My email is Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, at badbr.com. My inbox is always open to literally anyone who wants to reach out to me for, you know, conversations, for jobs, for mentorship. Feel free at any time to reach out and Definitely, the more innovative and unique your perspective is on the world, the more, you know, I want to hear from you. Great. So artists and storytellers, take note. Send your best stuff. You mentioned the old school way of thinking, and things are changing so rapidly in VR and AR. What do you recommend for anybody that wants to stay current? Yeah, it's it's difficult to stay on top of these things, but I would recommend, I mean, most of the best conversations about augmented virtual reality, in my opinion, happen on Twitter. There's a huge community of makers, of entrepreneurs, creators, people passionate about immersive technology, and they connect a lot of the time through Twitter and have very lively, in-depth conversations about all aspects of the industry. So there's a guy, Robert Scopel, who has created a list of all of the people within the AR and VR industry. So if you go to his Twitter and you look at his list, and you click on it, you can actually see a real-time sort of live feed of all the conversations and all the news and all the events that are happening within the augmented and virtual reality space. It's truly amazing. So, yeah, I highly recommend following his list, signing up for Twitter, just going through the VR, AR hashtags. You can connect with a bunch of really awesome people. 
other than that, you know, of course, there's traditional news media stuff like Road to VR or Upload VR. They always have good industry news that's published daily. Great. Thank you. I have been curious, why bad VR? Why do you call your company that when what you're doing is obviously pretty amazing? <laughs> well, thank you. It actually is an acronym. It stands for Bring All Your Data to VR. That's sort of where we started from. We dropped these Bring All Your Data. We dropped the Y because it didn't work out quite so well. But it's not a full acronym, but it's close enough. And that's really where the, the genesis of the name came from, Bring All Your Data to VR. And then, you know, I'm a, also a big fan of you know, my background is from like the punk community. I used to have a mohawk and grew up listening to punk rock music. So there's a band called Bad Religion. So it's also inspired by that. And like Bad Religion, Bad VR, um, and of course Bad Robot, which is a production studio here in Los Angeles as well. So yeah, but originally the name came from an accident. And at this point, we're just sort of so bad, we're good. And we roll with that. <laughs> I'm laughing because I remember in the 1970s, that's bad. Man, it was really, really, really good. But Exactly. That's really fun. Finally, if people could only get one thing from you as an innovator and artist about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what do you want them to take away from your work with Bad VR? Oh, that's an excellent question. I guess the, the most important thing that I would tell people is really... If you're working on a creative challenge or you're working on any challenge, define to yourself how you want to approach it. Don't automatically assume that the best practices that have been defined by others are gospel. You can always, there's always another path through life. There's always another option, and that's, you know, your own unique solution. So I guess, like, an example of this would be for me, you know, there's a lot of like existing best practices for visualizing data. And those are all, you know, the scatter plots, the pie charts. Like, I look at that and I just thought to myself, you know what, that's how everybody does it. But I don't think that's right for this new medium. So I'm going to do it differently. So you always have that option to look at, okay, well, this is what I can do. This is what everyone else is doing. I don't think that's right. I'm going to go and forge my own path. You always have the option for that, in creativity, in life, in work, you can always opt out and walk your own road. And now, don't get me wrong, it's more challenging that way, infinitely more challenging that way. And it's important, you know, from a professional standpoint to produce work that's usable and valuable to others. So if you do something that's too unique and you get too far out into left field and no one can relate to it, no one you know, can work with it, that's wrong too. But just the idea being that you can challenge the status quo, you can find that third option, you can choose to walk your own path. I think a lot of people just forget that sometimes. They see the available options presented to them and they don't like anything that's presented. They say, oh, I don't, I don't think it's that way, but I don't think it's this way either. But they forget that they have within them the ability to creatively forge a different path and, and to make their own way. So I just would want everyone to remember that and to remember that inside of themselves, you have a powerful creative force. You know, you have your own brain, you have your own artistic creative powers. And if you choose to do something on your own path, that it's possible. You can manifest that. You absolutely can. There is not one person on this planet that doesn't have that power. You have that power. You can go and do it. And I would urge people to really consider consider doing that because the world is a much better place for all of the people who do choose to walk their own path. Susie, thank you for your time today. 
Of course, of course. Thank you for having me. I love this interview. You asked such great questions. <laughs> Thank you. You and I have been listening to Suzanne Borders, CEO and co-founder of Marina Del Rey-based startup Bad VR. As Susie mentioned, they have a new product forthcoming, and they may very well be hiring as of January 2020. For more information and updates, check out their website, badvr.com. That's badvr.com. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X, twomavericks.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.